You're listening to the podcast of Antioch East Baptist Church in Magnolia, Arkansas. This is Pastor Ron Owen. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you have any comments or inquiries, you can send those to us at aebc123 at me.com. Um, We're going to be looking in the book of James this morning. If you'd like to grab your Bible or the Pew Bible in front of you and go ahead and turn there, the book of James. And in the verses prior to our passage, James has introduced the theme of trials in the Christian life. And what he has been telling his readers in that is that, yes, there are in fact trials and temptations within the Christian life. He's been explaining what those involve and how we should think about them. And in our passage this morning, starting in verse 12 to verse 18, we're going to see James continue that theme of what temptations and trials are in the Christian life and how we should respond to them as believers. So the title for my sermon this morning is How to Fight Temptation. How to Fight Temptation. We'll see that as we go along. I'll ask you to stand one more time as we read our passage James chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. For once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow." In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth, so that we would be a kind of firstfruits among His creatures. Let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time. Heavenly Father, I ask that You would bless the reading of Your word and that You would bless our time as we look at this passage. Help me to be faithful to it and only say what the text says, and I ask that Father, your will would be done, that your Son would be glorified by what is said. I pray that all of us would be changed in some way and know how we ought to respond to this passage. I ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So as I just mentioned, this morning we're talking about how to fight temptation. We see that in the passage that we just read. And I'm going to break our passage up into four sections, four divisions as we go along, and we'll see how to fight temptation as we look at each of those. James begins the passage with a promise to believers. We see that in verse 12. Assuming someone experiences temptation and they overcome that temptation, God has a promise for that person. In verse 13 and 14, James then describes the origin of temptation. Where does it come from? He's going to tell us that. In verse 15, he's going to tell us the result of temptation. Assuming someone is tempted to commit sin and they continually give in to that temptation, what is it eventually going to result in? 
And then finally in verses 16, 17, and 18, we're going to see the solution to our temptation problem. So let's begin by looking at the promise which God gives. We see that in verse 12. It begins by saying, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. And this is the beginning of the promise that God gives to those who overcome temptation. They are blessed. Now the text says, blessed is a man. But we need to understand it's not just men who he's talking about here. This is also men and women. Anyone who is confronted by temptation or trial and does not allow that temptation to overcome him, but instead he overcomes the temptation, this verse is saying that that person is blessed. No matter how you may feel, whenever you overcome temptation, in God's eyes you are blessed. Now, my translation that I'm reading here says, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial. If you're reading the King James Version, it's going to say, Blessed is a man who perseveres under temptations. And in the verses that we're going to see after this one, it repeats temptations there. And that's actually, I think, a, a very good way to understand this passage. It's the same word being used there. So if we're talking about temptation this morning, or trial, and our context, one and the same thing, uh, what does that entail? What is temptation? Well, temptation by itself is not wrong, nor is it sinful. But if you give in to temptation, then it does become sin. You can think of it this way. I have sinful desires within me, as we're going to see this passage tells us. And temptation is whenever I feel the urge to fulfill those desires and act on them. Well, if I refuse to do that and I'm simply tempted to do it, but I don't actually do it, well, I haven't sinned yet. But if I give in to that desire and I commit that sin, well, now I have committed sin, obviously. So that is what we're talking about when we speak of temptation or trial. Verse 12 goes on, it says, For once he has been approved, and what that means is if you have been tempted by something and you don't give in to the temptation, you have basically passed the test of that temptation. Verse 12 goes on, it says, He will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. This is the promise that God gives to those who persevere amid temptation. If they persevere and they don't give in to the temptation, then ultimately God himself, Jesus Christ himself, will give us the crown of life. Now a crown during this day would not necessarily be the same thing that we would think of when we think of a crown. When I think of a crown, I usually think of a metal band around someone's head and it has jewels inside of it. That's not really the same thing that's going on here. During the time that James wrote this book, a crown would have been understood more as a wreath. And what would happen is athletes would go and compete in various games. And if you would win, you would receive a wreath as a reward which you could place on your head. If you've watched the Olympics, they continue to do that sort of thing even today. So it's this reward that they receive, but it's not a permanent reward. Eventually that wreath is going to perish. It's not going to last forever. In contrast, in this promise that we see, this reward that Christ gives to Christians who persevere throughout their life, this is a crown of life. It doesn't go away. It's imperishable. And we will receive this crown whenever we go to heaven. Now, this crown of life is not referring to eternal life. 
as though if we live faithful Christian lives, we will somehow earn eternal life one day. That's not what this is saying. What this is referring to is rewards that Christians can receive in eternal life. So you or I, having become a Christian, having already received eternal life, if we live faithful Christian lives, God will actually give us rewards for that in heaven whenever we go and we are with Him. That is something that the Bible clearly teaches, and that's what he's talking about here. And this reward is something that God has promised to those who love Him. Now, we're talking about temptation here, and I think of it this way. Whenever I am confronted with temptation, in that moment I'm given a choice. I can either give in to that temptation, or I can resist the temptation and instead turn to God. What I do in that event, in that situation, I have the choice to either show that I love sin and temptation more than I love God, or I can show that I love God more than I love my sin. If you are a Christian and you overcome temptation, you resist temptation, instead you turn to God whenever that happens, James says here that that would make you someone who loves God more than your temptation. So this is a promise that God gives to believers. If you live a faithful Christian life, you don't give in to temptation, God will actually reward us in heaven for that behavior. James then directs his attention to where temptation comes from in verses 13 and 14. In verse 13, he tells us where temptation does not come from. He gives a command. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. God. Now, as I just mentioned, that is a command that James is giving. He's not suggesting to not say or accuse God of being a tempter. He's commanding his readers and us today, do not say this. In fact, you could actually understand this command that he's giving to really be, stop doing this. Stop saying whenever you're tempted that God is the one who tempted me. It's very likely that the people that James was writing to They actually thought, and they were actively saying when they were tempted, God is the one who's tempting me to sin. And James is writing to them saying, stop saying that because that's not true. The reason he says that's not true is in the second half of verse 13. He says, for God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone else. The reason God doesn't tempt anyone is because he himself cannot even be tempted by evil. Now, Think of it this way, I, you know, there are certain foods that I really enjoy that I like. Because I take pleasure in that type of food, I am tempted to eat it. But then if over here I have some sort of disgusting thing, some garbage, let's say, well, I'm not going to take pleasure in eating that, so it's not even going to tempt me. Well, that's how sin and evil is to God. It's putrid in His sight, it's disgusting, it's not even tempting in the slightest to Him takes no pleasure in evil. Well, if he himself does not take pleasure in evil, why would he take pleasure in tempting someone else to sin or tempting someone else to commit evil as well? That's why it says he himself doesn't tempt anyone. He takes no pleasure in sin, whether it's in himself or with someone else. So temptation doesn't come from God. He takes no part in evil. So where does it come from? We see in verse 14, instead of God, who is not even attracted to sin, each one of us is tempted when he is carried away 
and enticed by his own lust. Temptation doesn't come from God. It comes from within ourselves. I'd like to point out that some people, especially, will see young kids at times, if they do something wrong, they'll respond by saying, oh, the devil made me do it. And I have no problem with saying that Satan tempts people to sin. After all, he did that to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. But we don't even need him to tempt us to sin because we do it enough on our own. We don't need any help with that. It says each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Now usually whenever we say the word lust, we think of sexual sin. And that would be included in this, but lust here is more generally referring to any sort of sinful desire. So that could be sexual sin, but that could also be hating someone, or having the desire to go steal, or to lie, or even to not believe in God, whatever it may be. This is a very broad thing that's being referred to here. And what temptation does is it tempts us to give in to those desires, and basically to surrender ourselves over to them so that they can carry us around wherever they want to take us. That is what temptation leads to, and that is, what, that is where it comes from. It comes from us, not from God. Assuming someone gives in to this temptation on a regular basis, continually, where does it eventually lead? What does it result in? Verse 15 tells us that. It says, Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. This is the first process of temptation. I have some sort of sinful desire. I want to give in to that desire, and assuming I do give in to it, James is making an analogy here. It's as though I have impregnated that desire. And now it is going to give birth to sin. That sin eventually is going to lead to something else. Verse 15 says, When sin is accomplished, so if you have committed that sin, you've engaged in that, it brings forth death. And this is something that the Bible is very consistent about. Romans 6.23, a very well-known verse, it says, The wages of sin... Is what? It is death. Sin leads to death. This verse says the same thing. When sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. This death includes physical death that all of us will experience at one point or another. But it's not just referring to that. It's also referring to spiritual death. That if you reject Jesus Christ, if you reject God, and instead of repenting of your sins... You relish in your sins. You enjoy your sins. This is what it will lead to. It will lead to death that you will spend for eternity in hell apart from God. This is a warning that James is offering to us. This is where sin, when it is not repented of, will lead. It will lead you to hell. Well, if we see here that Temptation doesn't come from outside of us. It comes from inside of us. And if our temptation isn't dealt with, eventually it's going to lead us to death. This is a frightening situation to be in, is it not? It's a rather sobering thought. So what is the solution to this problem that we have? What is our hope? James begins to give us this answer in verse 16. He begins by saying, do not be deceived. That's another command that he gives there. 
Just as in verse 13 when I said that command could be understood to say, Stop saying that God tempts you. Well, this command in verse 16, you could understand it the same way. Stop being deceived. That implies that these believers he was writing to, they were deceived about something. I believe what James is saying is that they were deceived about these things he's just told us that we just read. They were deceived about where temptation comes from. After all, it seems as though they were saying, God is the one who tempts me. They didn't realize that temptation comes from within them instead of God. This is a very dangerous game to play if you don't rightly understand where temptation comes from and where it leads. Because think of it this way. What if I believe incorrectly that God is the one who tempts me and that I'm not the one who tempts myself? I don't have evil desires within me. No, God is tempting me. Well, if I think that, then I'm going to think, then God must be testing me and thus I must have enough strength and enough power of will to overcome these temptations that he's sending my way. God is trying to test me. He thinks I'm strong enough to overcome these things. When in reality, this text tells us the complete opposite. It says, no, God doesn't tempt you to evil. You tempt yourself. And if I understand that temptation comes from me, whenever temptation shows up, I'm going to realize I can't actually overcome it by my own strength because I'm the origin of temptation. So James is saying, don't be deceived about these things. You must rightly understand where temptation comes from because that will impact how you respond to it. Are you going to trust in your own strength of will to overcome temptation? Or are you going to look for something outside of you? I think something else that James is saying to stop being deceived about is the results of temptation. Some people continually give in to temptation, whatever it may be, and commit whatever sin they are tempted by. And they believe there's not going to be any consequences for their sin. But verse 15 tells us the complete opposite. There are consequences for sin. The worst consequence that we could possibly have is death. Do not be deceived about that. Don't think that we will get away with the sin that we commit. There is punishment for sin. But look at what he says at the second half of verse 16. This is some hard stuff he's been saying. Temptation comes from within us. Temptation, if given into continually, will lead to death. This is a hard pill to swallow. But then James includes in verse 16, My beloved brethren, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. James didn't have to include that in there. He could have just said, do not be deceived, and then gone on to verse 17. But instead, he took the time to write those words, my beloved brethren. And I think what that shows is that James, when he was writing to these people, he understood this is some challenging stuff, and he cared for these people. He's not trying to make them feel bad about themselves necessarily. He's trying to warn them. He's trying to give them an opportunity to correctly understand temptation and know how they should respond. I believe if James were writing this letter today, he would show that same sort of care for us. But we also need to understand, you know, James was the one who wrote this book, but he was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we can read these words as though God himself is saying, my beloved brethren, he's caring for us. He's saying this with a gentle spirit. 
So the first step in overcoming temptation and fighting temptation is you have to rightly understand it. Where does it come from and what will it lead to? But as I mentioned, if temptation comes from within us, if I am the origin of temptation, that means when I am faced with a temptation to commit some sort of sin, I can't trust in myself to overcome that. I have to look outside of me to something else. And James tells us what that is in verse 17. He says, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Notice that James is making a contrast here. In verse 13, he said, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. So in contrast to God sending us temptation, actually every good thing given and every perfect gift Every perfect gift, that is what God sends to us. Every good thing given, every perfect gift, that is anything good you have ever received in your life. Today, all of us received something. All of us received a new day. The sun came up again. Jesus hasn't returned yet. There is still time for us to respond to him. There is still time for us to repent of our sins and to trust in Jesus rather than trusting in ourselves. That's a good gift that he has given. But also, if you are a believer, God gives you his Holy Spirit. And if you read in the book of Galatians, you read that one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control. So rather than relying on our own strength to overcome temptation, we trust in the Spirit whom he's given to us. We turn to him for help. We turn to the Son for help. We pray to them. Ask them to help us in the time of need. It goes on, it describes God the Father as the Father of lights. Now the Father of lights is referring to how God has created all things. He created the sun, He created the moon, He created the stars. The Father of lights. God didn't just create those things, but He also cares for those things. He is involved in His creation. If he shows that sort of care for his creation, then he will show that sort of care for his creatures as well. At the end of verse 17, it describes God, this Father of lights, as having no variation or shifting shadow. We just sang this song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. The very first verse says that there is no shadow of turning with thee. You realize that verse comes straight out of James 1.17. That's where that came from. So in contrast to us, who are the origin of temptation and sin, we are carried away and enticed by all our lusts, there's no variation or shifting shadow with God. God isn't like a shadow who's there one minute and then the next it's gone. God is always the same. God doesn't change. And this should be comforting for us because James wrote this almost 2,000 years ago. But if he wrote God doesn't change back then, that means he's still the same God today. The same God who gives good gifts back then is the same God who gives us good gifts today. It goes on in verse 18 to, to describe one of the good gifts that God has given to us. Whereas our will is bent towards sin... In the exercise of His will, He brought us forth by the word of truth. Notice, 
Then in verse 18, it says, He brought us forth by the word of truth. Well, remember in verse 15, what does sin bring forth? Sin brings forth death. It's the same phrase being used there. Sin gives you death. God gives you new life. And it says that He does this in the exercise of His will. This passage has made it very clear. We can't do anything to save ourselves. If I can't have the power in and of myself to overcome a single temptation, how am I going to have the power of myself to earn salvation, to live a perfect life and go to heaven and be received by God? I don't have that power and neither do you. But we see that in the exercise of God's will, by His own choice, instead of leaving us in that state... He brought us forth. That means He has given us new life. He has made us new creatures, as the Bible says. And He has done this by the word of truth. Now, many believe that the book of James, this is just an interesting note, many believe the book of James is actually the first book of the New Testament to be written. Before any of the Gospels were written, before any of Paul's letters, James was likely the first to be written. So when he says the word of truth here, he's talking about the Scriptures. But what Scriptures does he have in mind? He has in mind the Old Testament. I think that's worth pointing out that even the Old Testament God uses to bring people to salvation. It's not just the New Testament that does that. It's all of God's Scripture, but even the Old Testament does that. Because what do we learn about in the Scriptures? What do we learn about in the word of truth? We learn about the Gospel. It is from the word of truth that we learn that we are sinners who can do nothing to save ourselves. No one is good. No one is righteous. No, not even one. But it is also in the scriptures where we see that God promised to send us a Messiah, to send us a Savior. And whereas we have continually broke God's law, Jesus was the perfect fulfillment of God's law. He obeyed it in every single way. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Sin brings forth death. That is what we earn from our sin. But Jesus volunteered himself to take that death on himself. The Bible says, as I have said many times before and will continue to say, if we repent of our sins and trust in Jesus alone, his work that he has done for us, rather than trusting in ourselves, We will receive the salvation that He offers and we will be given His Holy Spirit as a good and perfect gift from God. How do we fight temptation? You can't do it unless you are a Christian. If you haven't received the best gift that God has to offer, that is salvation in the Spirit. If you haven't received that, how do you expect to do anything to fight temptation? It goes on, verse 18, to say that God has brought us forth. He has given us this new life according to His will, for a purpose. It says, so that we would be a kind of first fruits among His creatures. In the Old Testament, God instituted a first fruit sacrifice that the Israelites were supposed to give for Him. What they would do is God had given them the land of Israel and they would plant their crops. Whenever harvest time came, the first fruits of that crop, they would go and take those And instead of using them for themselves or eating them, they would sacrifice those things to God as an act of worship. 
to show we trust you, God. We worship you, God. And that's what God turns us into. According to his will, he takes us from being rebellious, evil sinners. And instead, he makes us pleasing, living sacrifices for him. He takes those who were rebels and makes them sons and daughters. So as we conclude, what are we supposed to do with these truths that we see in this passage? I'd say, first of all, James gave a couple of commands here. Don't say that God is the one who tempts you. And don't be deceived about where temptation comes from. For us today, do you obey those commands? Do you rightly understand where temptation comes from? It comes from within you. It comes from within me. And do you understand correctly that if you continue to give in to that temptation, it will lead to death? But God gives us an opportunity. He gives us his words where we can learn that we now have time to repent of that sin, to trust in Jesus, and not receive the death that we deserve. I also say this, whenever temptation comes our way, how do we respond? How do we fight temptation? We just sang the song, All I Have is Christ. I love in the third verse of that song, it says, Help me to live in such a way that all might see the strength to follow your commands could never come from me. That's so true. Anytime you are faced with temptation to commit sin, the strength to overcome that temptation or the strength to positively obey God's commands It'll never come from you. So whenever you are faced with some sort of temptation in your life, don't think, oh, I must muster up enough strength to overcome this. No, immediately, turn your eyes to Jesus. We just sang, what a friend we have in Jesus. That verse says, have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. That is exactly right. I would encourage you, the moment you are tempted, train yourself to immediately go to God in prayer. Immediately go to God and ask Him to help you. Psalm 50, verse 15, I believe it is, it says that God, if we call out to Him in the day of trouble, in the time of temptation, He will answer us and we will glorify Him. I love the book of Hebrews as well. In that book, the writer talks about how Jesus himself, who lived as a human being and is still a human today, while fully God, he endured temptation. And yet he never gave into those temptations. He never committed sin. But because he himself has experienced temptation, that means he knows what it's like. And if we will come to him in the time of need, he will give us grace and mercy to fight our sin. Never trust in yourself to fight sin. Trust in God. Trust in His good and perfect gifts. Go to Him in prayer. Read His Word. I would also encourage this. You know, His Word will always help us to fight temptation, but you won't always have a copy of His Word with you. So find passages that help you fight temptation and memorize those passages so that you always have them. And as soon as you are faced with temptation, immediately... Quote those scriptures. 
Go to God in prayer. That is how you fight temptation.